Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Movie Night Tapes. Today, in episode 10, we are going to be talking about Pet Cemetery. Now, this is based off the novel by the good old Stephen King, and we are going to be talking about the 2019 Pet Cemetery because I do know that there is some other ones that were made in 1989 and then the second one was made in 1992, I still believe. But I think this one is a remake. I was trying to find out whether it was a sequel or a remake and it didn't really give me an answer. So I'm just assuming it's a remake. However, I haven't seen the original, so I'm not 100% sure. But that's what we're going to be talking about today. So I've only got water, but if you want to grab a tea, coffee, gin or vody and listen. By the way, just before we get into this podcast, I just wanted to say a little disclaimer. Even though I know this film is a 15, I just wanted to kind of let people know I will be talking about goriness, blood, creepiness. <laughs> and if you're just not good with horror films or kind of like graphic detail description about certain injuries and stuff like that, I know some people can get a bit cringy about it. I know I can at, at some point, but I just thought I'll let people know because if you don't want to listen to it then that's completely fine also i do have some builders working on outside so if you do hear any kind of builder noises like the last episode um just please ignore it because that's what i'm gonna do and i hope you enjoy this episode so i did look at the trailer just to remind myself what actually happened because i've never seen pet cemetery before nor have i seen the original movies nor have i even read the book I thought it was pretty good, the trailer. And my predictions, just based off the trailer, was this young girl finds this creepy pet cemetery, then her cat dies, but then it comes back to life, but then she dies, and then her dad buries her where the pet is normally buried, like in the pet cemetery, and then she comes back to life, but yet she's not the same, and nor is she alone. So for this movie, I'm going to section it up into three parts. The first part is going to be the first like 30 minutes of the film. So like the start of the film. Then the second part is going to be like the middle of the film. And then the third part, you guessed it, will be the end of the film. Just to make it a lot easier for me to like go through it. So this family, which is made of mum, dad, son and daughter. The daughter is older than the son. The son's I think about like three. I'm not entirely too sure. Lewis is the dad and Rachel is the mum and the daughter's called Ellie. Those are the three main characters. The son, I think his name's Gage, like with a G, not Gabe, but G-A-G-E. So I'm going to say Gage. The movie begins with the title sequence and the camera pans over the forest and then over a burning house and then over some blood and footsteps that leads into the house. And then it obviously comes up with the name Pet Cemetery. At this moment in time, you can't really tell whether that scene is connected to the family or whether that scene was about the family before that used to live in this house. But this family that is moving from Boston moves into that house that was burning in the title sequence. Once they move in, the daughter Ellie sees a group of children wearing a full animal face mask taking a dead dog in a wheelbarrow somewhere. Her mum calls her in and after they finish doing what they need to do inside the house, she goes out to find where the group of children went. Ellie finds the pet cemetery and tries to climb what looks like a wall full of branches and trees, like tree trunks, laid horizontally. However, Ellie trips and falls 
and there is a man behind her who helps her. This old man is called Judd. He's not creepy at all to Ellie or anything like that. Ellie says, what is this place? And then this is where Judd explains to Ellie, this is the pet cemetery. People across the whole town come here to bury their pets. They almost do like a ritual of it. And it's actually spelt wrong, like on the sign where it says pet cemetery. Ellie's mum, Rachel, comes out to try and find Ellie and almost tells her off kind of like don't wander off what are you doing you clearly can tell that she's a bit wary of Judd because obviously your daughter's just hanging out with like a random old man but this is when we find out that Judd is actually their neighbor later on in that day when Ellie's parents Lewis and Rachel are tucking Ellie into bed they have a little conversation and speak to Ellie about pets dying and that even though it seems a bit creepy it is natural to have a pet cemetery if they wanted to even though it is scary and during this conversation you can clearly tell the mum and dad have definitely got different opinions on what happens through the afterlife for example Rachel the mum would say yeah they've gone to heaven like your nan and they you know they're looking down at you and so on and so forth but the dad instantly turns around and says to his wife yeah but we don't actually know that do we the next day, the dad, Lewis, goes to work. He is a doctor and he's clearly got a busy shift. However, later on in that shift, a man who is a student at the place of where Lewis works, his name is called Victor. Victor got run over outside by a car. And when Victor came in, the only way I can describe it is like half of his face was what he normally looks like. And the other half of his face, it looked like someone's just ripped his skin off. They ripped his skin off and all you can see is live tissue, muscle, even his head. You could see his brain and there is blood pouring pouring out of this guy's head like there's absolutely it's just gushing out so bless lewis is trying to like get him into a room he asks the nurse to call from for some other doctors and in this time where it's just lewis and victor alone victor unfortunately dies and lewis is there when he dies it's almost like Victor was choking on his own breath almost that's how he it's how it looked like to me but Lewis takes a second back just to kind of like absorb what the hell's just happened. He then sees the lights of the hospital room kind of flickering, hears a noise, turns around and Victor is sat up staring at him and says, Lewis, the barrier is not meant to be broken. Next thing you know, the nurse comes in and says, oh my God, what's happened? Lewis comes back to reality and says he's gone. And Victor is still laying there on the bed, dead. This plays on Lewis's mind, as anyone would, as he's going home. He's actually nearly gets himself into a car crash with a lorry because he's too distracted. He's not focusing on the road. He's focusing on what Victor said. You know, how can he sit up and say that to me after he died? That night, as Lewis goes to bed, he has a dream about Victor, about seeing him in his bedroom wondering why is he there. So he starts following Victor. Next thing you know, Lewis is walking in his pyjamas barefoot in the woods as he goes up and sees the pet cemetery. Victor almost whispers to Lewis and says, you tried to help me, so let me help you. Lewis walks around the pet cemetery, tries to like climb 
what I would describe as the wall of branches that are laid horizontally. As he goes to climb this wall, he grabs onto a branch and then a dead man's hand grabs onto his and then Victor shouts in Lewis's ear, the how, how the ground is so sour. Lewis then gets woken up by his son jumping on him in a nick of time. He goes to get out of bed, but then sees that his feet are covered with dried mud. As his wife Rachel comes in, he quickly covers them back over because he doesn't want her to know. That day, as it carries on, is actually Halloween, of course. But before the fun can begin, Judd shows up at Lewis's house and wants to show them something. Judd and Lewis together go on to this main road that kind of goes between the forest and shows their cat, Church, has been run over and his spine is twisted. Church the cat is a family cat and he is named after Winston Churchill. Judd suggests that him and Lewis should bury Church tonight and we can't let Ellie see that Church has died. Later on, when Lewis speaks to his wife about Church and about how twisted his spine was, his wife then told her story about her sister with a twisted spine and how she feels guilty for her death. So when Rachel was younger, she had a older sister who had a twisted spine, nearly bedbound, could only move a little bit on her own. And for some reason, her parents would always ask Rachel to take her sister's dinner up to her. All she had to do is walk up some stairs, hand over the dinner and walk back down. However, one particular evening when their parents went out... Rachel decide to use a what I would describe as a food lift. Now, I'm just going to quickly describe the food lift for you. It might be called another name, but that's what I call it. A food lift to me is when it's like a little cupboard, maybe situated around like the kitchen area. You open the cupboard, it has shelves in, and what you do is you you put the plate full of food onto these shelves, you close the door, and then there is a rope next to it which you pull and it lifts the shelves up up to the next floor. If anyone lives locally to me, Cafe Rennie has it so that they can bring the food down from the kitchen above them to the restaurant below but I'm going to refer that thing to a food lift. Rachel got told many times don't use the food lift because it doesn't always work however this particular one night she wanted to use it because she just she felt bullied by her sister because her sister would always torment her and say so many nasty things about how, how Rachel doesn't have a twisted spine it was almost like her sister was maybe jealous that Rachel was born with a quite of an average spine so this not in out of spite but just because she was kind of scared of her sister this particular evening she put the food in the food lift sends it up with using the rope she hears her sister getting out of bed and it's like the sound that her sister makes is like a drag thump drag thump drag thump and then it almost like you can hear someone fall over So naturally, Rachel, as a young girl, opens the cupboard of the food lift and because there's no shelves there because she has sent it upstairs, she goes in and has a look upwards. And next thing you know, she sees the shelves plummeting down super fast. She jumps out of the way and there is her sister crumbled and twisted 
at the top of the shelves. I don't know what exactly happened or how her sister got in there, but she clearly fell into the food lift. This is why Rachel believes in heaven, because she feels so guilty that she hopes that her sister is in a better place. And this is also why she doesn't like talking about death. This is the one thing that kind of irritated me throughout the movie, is that Rachel, whenever something was clearly bothering her, she wouldn't open up to her husband and actually communicate with her husband. She would just shut up and just say, no, I'm fine. Honey, you're clearly not fine. Just tell the man that you do not feel comfortable in that house because it reminds you of your sister. As parents, they decided to just say that church ran away and not tell Ellie the real truth. So Lewis leaves that night to go bury the cat with Judd. Part two. So this part is the middle of the film. Judd and Lewis both go to bury Church the Cat in the pet cemetery. However, Judd decides and says, not here, follow me. And Judd starts climbing the wall of branches that is laid horizontally. As both Lewis and Judd climb this wall of branches and they get over to the other side, it's like a dark forest with loads of fog and there's these spiral symbols on each tree branch and like tree trunk. As they carry on walking this path, they are greeted with what I could only describe as a mounting of stairs. It reminded me of what some people may describe as... I don't know, the, the walk, the stairs to hell, like you're walking to hell. That's kind of what the vibe I got off. It's very creepy and it's super high, These this group of stairs. So they both, with the dead cat, walk up this group of stairs all the way right up to the top. And this is where Lewis buries the cat. The next morning, as parents, they told Ellie that Church the cat had ran away. And there's a high chance that Ellie might not see him again. Ellie's like, what are you talking about? He was on my window last night. Both Rachel and Lewis are thinking, well, definitely he's not because he's about to get buried. And then Ellie goes, no, he honestly, he's in my wardrobe. So they both turn around. Lewis goes to open this wardrobe and there is Church, who clearly looks like an evil version of Church, sitting there hissing at Lewis. But they carry on with life, clearly, because they just all assume that church is alive and well and they must have buried the wrong cat. I don't know, but they just assume something different. Until church attacks both Ellie and her little brother, Gage. Because one night, Lewis follows the cat down into the basement. He cannot find church whatsoever. However, he goes into the separate room into the basement and he almost like... It's like he had a vision of, of something or something is messing with his head and this is why he can see these images but essentially what he sees is a pet cemetery he then sees a lorry and he hears the most loudest scream and loudest lorry horn whilst this is happening rachel the mum is upstairs and she can hear above her room but by the way there is nothing above her room it is the roof of the house but she hears the dragging and thumping of her sister she then goes to the bathroom mirror 
she opens this mirror cupboard that naturally in the bathroom you would have your maybe skincare, maybe makeup or medicines. However, instead of having those shelves full of those products, you see the food lift. Rachel then puts her head in and looks upwards like she did as a child and all she sees is her sister's body falling down and this scares her, she jumps back, then the mirror door of this cupboard swings closed, slightly opens, and you see her medicine, her shelves, her skincare kind of all back to normal. It's very weird how they both had visions of these things at the same time. As parents, they both have a conversation, even though they want to leave this house because it doesn't feel right, they decide to stay because it's Ellie's birthday soon and they think they can turn it around. Lewis goes to speak to Judd and tells Judd about the cat and what's been going on. Judd tells Lewis a little bit of a story about his dog called Biff when Biff died when Judd was 11. Lewis said, is that how you found out about Pet Cemetery? Did your dad take you? Judd was like, no, this old, this old guy named Stanley Bouchard took Judd up to the Pet Cemetery. And this is when Judd describes the story of a Wendigo. It was a myth that has been passed down from the local tribes, but to them, they had believed and feared it. And there was warnings on the trees like spirals that the local tribes put there before they fled. The local tribes fled because they knew of the power of that place and it felt it's like Paul. They believed that the woods would belong to something else as they found that the land was bad, almost sour. So they moved on, but not before they built that deadfall, which is what they call the wall full of branches that is laid horizontally. They built the deadfall to keep people out. However, the Wendigo might be a crazy folktale, but there is something there that keeps bringing things back. Judd then explains that his dog came back to life, but he was different, and it wasn't until the dog went after his mum that his dad had to put the dog down. Judd thought that Church the Cat would be different because he had a more happy upbringing because of Ellie. Ellie was so happy, such a positive light, and was taking care of church. However, Judd was wrong. And so Lewis decides to take church out on a little walk, shall we say, even though it's a cat, but or a little drive. He drives up to this one of the main roads that cuts between the forest and leaves church there on the side of the road, just chilling, and in hopes that he just either dies or that he just goes away. The next scene is that it's Ellie's birthday. And everyone is having a most wonderful time. Everyone's just having loads of fun, playing games. It's just a normal kids party, but just really happy. Almost like things are turning around. And then in one of the games, Ellie decides to hide behind a bush, which is next to the main road. But it isn't until she sees Church again walking very slowly down that main road. She goes out into the main road to say, Church, she came home. Like, she's so happy. Even though she got attacked by the cat, she's still happy to see Church. And then Gabe starts running out. Like I said, he's only three years old, Max. He runs so fast out onto the main road that when Lewis turns around, he shouts, 
gabe like so loudly with so much passion and in fear as he gets to the road lewis grabs gabe out the way because there is a massive lorry driving and just not clearly not paying attention to the road so lewis grabs gabe out of the way the lorry driver swerves the front of the lorry is then turned over. However, it's carrying a massive metal kind of cylinder-shaped thing. I'm not entirely sure what it is. Full of something, of course. But this cylinder, massive cylinder, metal, very heavy, is coming out very, very fast and smashes Ellie. And I cannot describe to you, I actually cried. I was like, why am I crying? Why am I crying? <laughs> Because their parents saved one child and didn't realise that that other child is going to be, like, killed. Like, I don't know why, but it got to me. And next thing you see is that Rachel is crying, basically, on the floor next to Ellie. And they've realised that they've lost Ellie. So they decide to bury her as a normal funeral in a normal cemetery with... Rachel cannot stand to be at the house anymore, so she decides her and Gage would go and stay with her parents and in hopes for Lewis to join them later. This is back in Boston. That night, Lewis had too many drinks and decides to meet and speak with Judd. In one of their conversations, Lewis actually spikes Judd's drink and soon after drinking that drink, he tries to warn Lewis, I know what you're thinking, quite drunkly saying, I know what you're thinking, but don't even dare get Ellie and put her in the pet cemetery. She will come back different. She will not be the same. And soon after he tried to warn Lewis, he passes out because of his drink. And actually, that's exactly what Lewis does. He digs up his own daughter's grave takes her dead body who is sleeping so beautifully and peacefully and then goes to the pet cemetery, but not just to the normal part where Ellie's been, but all the way up that wall, throughout the foggy forest and up those massive long stairs and buries his daughter. Lewis returns home and waits and listens out for her. He suddenly hears something and goes outside to check it. He couldn't see anything, however, he turns around and sees muddy footprints on the porch. He follows them, which takes them down to the basement. Lewis treads lightly and quietly, and then crouches down and finds a cat face mask. Dead Ellie creepily returns and whispers, Daddy, where am I? In a great relief, Lewis says, you are home. In the next scene, Lewis gives dead Ellie a bath and brushes her hair, and he moves her hair out the way so that you can see where she had a head injury and that she has been stapled back together. However, her hair is as thick and as knotted like Church's. When Church came back to life, his mane, his mane, <laughs> his fur was so thick and so knotted, you just couldn't brush it. Ellie's was the exact same. So Lewis puts Ellie to bed as she then goes on to say, I remember my birthday. I remember church being on the road. I remember the truck. And then it all went blank. She said, am I dead? She said, I'm dead, aren't I? And then both Ellie and Lewis tries to fall asleep. This is part three. And the next morning, Judd finally woke up outside where he was having his drinks with Lewis. Lewis also wakes up, but of course in his house. 
trying to find where Ellie is. She then finds that Ellie is in the living room dancing to the Nutcracker theme song. But then she starts getting mad and starts smashing things. Lewis says stop it as he tries to control Ellie. And then Rachel keeps calling Lewis. However, Lewis is just not answering any of Rachel's calls whatsoever. However, Rachel calls Judd and decides to ask him, can you go and check up on Lewis? I'm not too sure how he is. He hasn't been answering any of my phone calls. I'm coming back from Boston. I'm hitting a load of traffic. Can you just check up on Lewis to make sure he is okay? When Lewis opens the door to Judd, Judd then sees the mud around Lewis's fingernails and tries to give some advice to Judd as he now has an idea of what Lewis has actually done. On Judd's way back out to his house, he sees dead Ellie in the window and rushes home and gets prepared with a gun and he starts to look around his house because he almost... It's like he knows that something's about to happen. However, suddenly, Church the cat is on Judd's stairs and Judd decides to just walk around him and slowly downstairs. He pauses for a moment. And then Ellie slices Judd's back of the ankle, kind of Killy's heel. He then falls down the rest of the stairs and it switches between Ellie and Judd's dead wife, Norma. Them two are switching faces and tormenting Judd right before they stab him until Judd is dead. Whilst this is happening, Rachel and Gay come back to the house and see Lewis and they are so happy. They're so relieved to see Lewis. As Lewis is holding Gay and saying, oh my God, how are you? And just so happy and talking to Gay, Rachel looks at his fingernails, his boots, his sleeve, the mud, the blood and the dirt and says what's happened. Lewis then tells Rachel and Gay about what has happened. Lewis explains everything that there is a place where people can come back to life. This is where I buried Church and this is where I buried or reburied Ellie. Rachel doesn't agree with this and tries to get some space and goes up to her bedroom again. However, she keeps hearing her dead sister with the twisted back, like thumping, dragging, thumping and dragging and almost like her dead sister is tormenting her. However, once Rachel sees clearly again, Suddenly, Ellie jumps up and stabs Rachel. And then Rachel is able to get away. She grabs Gage and runs. But Ellie traps her in one of the rooms. Whilst this is happening, Lewis goes to see Judd and found him dead. With Church, the cat, just sitting there in the corner. Rachel is leaning out of the window, shouting to Lewis to say, Take Gage. Gage is then kind of thrown <laughs> it's weird but gets kind of thrown to lewis lewis then puts gage in the car as this happens ellie stabs rachel one more time in the stomach rachel's clearly about to die and ellie says you left me there in the road to rot like how you left your sister she describes that there is an afterlife but it's not heaven Ellie then says, Ellie then kills her mother and then runs to hide because she can hear Lewis coming at the stairs. When Lewis comes up and sees Rachel, Rachel says, do not bury me in that place. Ellie then knocks Lewis out with a chair and drags her mother's body 
through the forest to the pet cemetery. When Lewis comes round, he then checks up on Gaig, who's locked in the car, and heads to the pet cemetery. When he confronts Ellie, Ellie blames her dad for everything, for burying church here, for burying her there. Ellie tries to kill her dad, but then Lewis starts strangling her. And as Ellie is trying to grab the handle of the shovel next to her, Lewis, because he is three times the size of Ellie, can strangle Ellie with one hand. He then, with the other hand, grabs the shovel and is about to almost chop her head off and says, I just wanted to be a family again. Ellie goes, we can be a family again. Lewis takes one more deep breath in and as he is about to cut his own daughter's head off to kill her, he gets stabbed in a chest with a metal rod and it's his wife, Rachel, who is now dead Rachel. As Lewis is now dead, both as mother and daughter bury Lewis in the pet cemetery. As the end scene is the same scene as the beginning, the camera again pans around the forest, pans over the burning house. However, this time it continues, instead of just showing the footprints and the blood on the doorstep, it continues to show that Gaig is still alive in the locked car, and you can see all three members of the family, all dead and come back to life, are walking towards Gaig. The screen goes black, and all you hear is beep beep and the car is now unlocked. And that, my friends, is the end of the film. Oh my gosh, when I watched this, I, I was thinking at the end, I was like, no, stop. And my opinion of this film is essentially, oh my God, it's very good. <laughs> that's me, that's the overall opinion about it. I was thinking, yes, honey. There's a few things that I still don't really understand, but I feel like this is what I love about Stephen King's movies or even his stories that are created into movies because it makes you think. And I love something that makes me think <laughs> because it's not that hard for me to get confused. However, I don't know, I like a challenge. So I like the concept of this idea of having a pet cemetery and I like how, you know, it's not just pets that come back to life. It's humans as well. I like that. I like that twist of it as well. Um, I do believe that the kind of, obviously when you watch the movie, it will make more, my podcast will make more sense because it's quite hard to describe certain scenes. I'm a visual person. So sometimes it is a lot easier for me to watch it than it is for me to like listen to something. But what I call the little pet cemetery is kind of what everyone visits okay but if you want something to come back to life you have to go over the wall of like horizontal branches walk through the foggy forest and then walk up these like stairs to hell almost um I like that idea how like is something extra there's something up there um I like how they twisted an idea of maybe a folklore kind of like fairy tale not fairy tale but like do you know what I mean like an old wives tale they believe in the what's it called a wendigo yeah and I like that kind of twist to it as well like even if it is like they said in the store in the film even if the wendigo is just like an old story something is actually happening and it might not be the wendigo but something's happening the twist at the end honey oh my god i i was literally as rachel stabs lewis like with a metal rod in the chest i was like <gasps> no like i literally was so shocked i did not see that coming whatsoever at all 
And it kind of made sense because then I was like, oh, that's what she means by, but we can be a family together because she now wants to kill all of her family and to be like her. I'm like, oh my God. And I like how it ended with all with just a black screen and all you can hear is like a beep beep from like the car unlocking. So I'm like, are they going to kill a poor little gig? Like, he ain't done anything. <laughs> but I cannot also distress enough when that scene of Ellie dying, I full on started crying. Now, and I was thinking, what is wrong with me? I'm like getting weak within my old age, old age of like 22 mind. But I don't know why, because I don't normally cry at films like at all. I've only cried at Endgame, obviously. Toy Story 4, oh my God, that breaks my heart. <laughs> and I feel like there was one other movie that I've also cried at. But yeah, I don't know why I just started crying at it because I just thought, oh my God, imagine if your parents tried, you know, they only thought one child was in danger and they were like so relieved that they saved that child. But then they're so focused on saving that child that they don't realise that that other child is potentially going to die. Like, I was like, oh my God, no way. <laughs> like, I was just so shocked. And I just, I loved the dramatics about it. And I was quite shocked that they put that in the trailer. Like, I didn't know that Gage was going to die, like, potentially, because he was running out into the road, because that wasn't shown in the trailer. It was shown that Ellie is going to die, and there is a high chance that here that her dad is going to bring her back to life. That was kind of what was shown. So I think my predictions of the film was quite spot on, but I'm very, very glad that there was still some twists. Like it made me cry, it made me shocked. I had, there was a, it was a bit of a roller coaster of an emotions, to be honest. My other thought that I just wanted to quickly mention is that I realised now watching the film that Rachel's sister wasn't actually a part of the pet cemetery. But I always thought from the beginning, because I watched the trailer and I had a glimpse of what Ellie looks like when she comes back to life and she looks a bit twisted and a bit creepy, I was thinking, well, maybe Rachel's sister is, I don't know, maybe Rachel knows of this pet cemetery because she's had already experience with it. But now watching the whole film, there's nothing. So I'm quite confused as to why Rachel's... I don't know why. I feel like there's there's something happening or there's something that happened with Rachel's sister, apart from just her story that she said. But I feel like there's also something that Rachel and her sister has been through that they're, they're not really going into too much detail with. Again, if I read the book, there might be some more detail about this. I'm not entirely too sure. But I just wanted to add that because I always thought from the beginning of the film that ever since Rachel mentioned her sister of how twisted her spine is, isn't it a bit creepy how Church the Cat had a twisted spine very similar to Rachel's sister? So that's why I thought there was a link there, but apparently not. I could be wrong. Let me know what you think. I'm trying to think, what would I improve on this film? Because only because I haven't seen the originals, nor have I read the book. So I, if... I do read the book or watch the original films. I think I might have a more updated idea of what they could have done um, because a lot of the time the books are better than the film um, because in the books you are able to expand on more storylines and stuff like that and just give more detail, more description, really. But at the moment, just based off watching that film and that film alone, the only thing can make it better, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, is watching it at the cinema. I don't know why 
I didn't actually watch it at the cinema. It was it was released in April 2019, so it wasn't anything COVID-related back then. I just think I just missed it. I must have just missed it or I've been meaning to see it and then I just didn't get around to doing it kind of situation. Right, how do I rate this film now? Ooh... I guess at the moment, because this is just purely based on me watching the film, not comparing it to a f- to the other original films or comparing it to the book, just based off this film and this film alone, I would give it a good 8 out of 10. Like, it was really good. Like, it wasn't anything, like, amazing, amazing. Like, there's better films out there, but it was also, like, I don't know, it still gave me, like, a bit of a roller coaster of emotions, which I enjoyed. So I'll definitely give it an 8 out of 10. I'll definitely recommend this. This will be a good movie night. Like if you're having, regardless whether you've got a partner or not, or whether you're at the moment, you know, you and whoever's in your household, or even just yourself, if you're like me living alone, and if you want to have a bit of a, a movie night for yourself, this is such a good movie night option. Because I can just imagine like people with the popcorn, I don't know, just like getting shocked and like throwing it everywhere because they're shocked. (laughs) So the age rating for this film is a 15, (laughs) which is very risky. In my personal opinion, I mean, I know I've watched so many horror films in like when I was 13, 14, I watched Saw, I watched Hostel and they're quite brutal films. I watched Texas Chainsaw, like I watched all of those. But I don't know why. I just assume with the amount of blood. I mean, to be honest, there isn't a lot of swearing, nor is there a lot of nudity. Well, there's barely any nudity in this film and there's barely any sex in this film. Um, And there isn't a lot of swearing. There's just mainly a lot of gore and a lot of blood and a lot of like, it can make people think like about dark stuff, I guess. I'm quite shocked that it's a 15. I would class it naturally as an 18 with most Stephen King films because they can be quite, I don't know, quite creepy. I wonder, because the film is a 15, I wonder if the book is more gruesome and more horror, if that makes sense. I don't know if you can get any more horror. (laughs) But I would be very interested to watch to watch the book what am I trying to say to read the book just to see if it was anything more creepier than what the actual film is so I would definitely recommend this film to anyone actually because even if you're not a fan of horror this would be a a kind of good one to watch with someone if that makes sense like I said before about the whole movie night um situation this would be a good movie night um option for a film especially if you've got someone who loves horror and someone who doesn't love horror like I think that's this would be a good match however if you're just watching it by yourself just for entertainment purposes if you're not a fan of horror well I think it's it's more of the fact of if you're not a fan of blood gore and just the idea of stuff maybe might hold off only because the reason why I say this is because when Ellie cuts the um almost is it the Achilles heel like the back of the ankle situation of Judd now this reminds me of Hostel now has anyone watched which Hostel is it I know it's the first Hostel when one of the American dudes gets trapped and he's sat in the chair and the guy that's going to kill him essentially cuts his ankles like the back of his ankles and then cuts the rope off of his hands so that he can walk away essentially but as this man stands up and goes to walk his you can oh I I can't it's disgusting 
you can the camera zooms in on his ankle and you can see the skin rip and tear uh, uh, open i can't uh, it's vile vile but this is exactly what happened i don't know why it's just a kind of like cringy i think it's just the thought of it is very cringy for me and that's exactly what happened in this film so if you're not a fan of anything like that i would just say maybe that's when you need a pillow in front of your face <laughs> to like hide behind the pillow to watch this film but if you're a horror lover like this is going to be very easy for you to watch it's it's nothing major and if you know the storyline as well because maybe you've watched the originals i would say still watch this one and then you can have your opinion on whether you prefer the original or the remake but yeah i would definitely love to watch the original films or read the book of this film and if i do i will let you know over on my instagram which is at movie night underscore tapes Whenever I do read the Pet Cemetery book, for example, I will give you uh, an update of whether I prefer the book or the film, or I might do another podcast about it. But regardless, I will let you know when I'm next uploading over on my Instagram, so go follow that. Also, follow the podcast wherever you are listening to it. It is available on Spotify and SoundCloud. But apart from that, that's it for me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know I did. It was so much fun watching the film. And I will speak to you soon. Bye.